What's going on, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Knicks Wall Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kyle Maggio, joined by my co-host, Sean Geddes and Mike Cortez. What's going on, boys? How's everything? You're feeling fantastic. Life is good, four in a row. Life is very good right now. Uh, life is pretty good, and life would be better if you were making uh, some of your wagers on uh price picks which is the official sponsor of this podcast i was trying to find the right you know you can't use certain words i was trying to find the right word this was a library but yeah the, the official pod, uh, partner of this podcast is price pick so make sure you're taking our uh, picks of the night uh most of the time it is something with rj barrett and most of the time it fucking cashes because rj barrett has been balling so if you want to make a little you know a little extra tax season we all need a little extra i know not all of us are getting the the tax return a lot of us are are paying the irs more after a a year full of uh losing our tax money but uh if you're one of those you know you want to make a little extra money come make these rj barrett picks with us over at prize picks because uh we've been handing out free money so it's a good time use code tkw the link is in uh the you know pin to pin tweet on our uh, twitter profile and uh, go from there but we are here today, boys, not to just talk price picks. We're here today to talk uh, Knicks, of course. We got a lot to catch up on. been a couple of weeks, but today, on a day we were going to record anyway, this Julius Randle stuff breaks. Um, it's unconfirmed. Let's start with it's unconfirmed. Uh, this is not, not verified information. There were three people trying to run with it today. Uh, we will name in order of how we saw it, but none of which uh, are really super duper credible. Um, you got to take every one of these with a grain of salt, but yeah. So it comes from Craig Carton, first of all, WFAN, uh, right? And he's he basically says that a source tells him unconfirmed. I don't know what that, I don't know how you, how you go on, try to go on record with a source, but also say unconfirmed. It's a very, I don't know what that means, really. I don't, so does that just mean like I could be lying, but here it is like it's very it's a very nasty thing to say like i mean i don't know how i could possibly i'm, I'm going to start making reports that way like th- this might not be true but and then i'll just say something that i that i want to happen you know this might not be true but i, I would could lebron's considering the knicks he, he might force his way here it's unconfirmed you don't you don't know it could be true it's a very thing it's weird right it's, it's weird it's weird uh but yeah craig carton was the one who said it. So I don't, basically Julius Randle, you know, wants out, wants to, you know, after this season with the Knicks. Uh, Incarcerated Bob had sort of the same thing a couple hours later, said he, you know, sources close to the situation, whatever, however we worded it, basically said, you know, Julius wants out. And then, uh, you know, the the latter tweets that we saw cited, stuff saying like, oh, Julius wants out, you know, uh, might force his way out, like a James Harden situation, whatever, whatever. And we see stuff from Mark Berman comes out and uh, basically, you know, we see, what, what did he say? Uh, Julius is changing another part of the locker room and 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't, I don't know where everybody's getting this information from in the last 24 hours. If it is verified information, go, go fully on the record here. But um, it's been, I'm going to throw it, you know, lob this up to one of you guys for reactions here. But I mean, it's, it's been a, a very up and down two years for Julius. Obviously, last year was top of the world. This year was inconsistent. And obviously, fans were uh, not pleased with his level of play this year. Um, you know, obviously, understandable to a level with what we saw last year, which was based in night-to-night consistency and effort and hard work. And then this year to see, uh, you know, have a team with expectations, and then you want to be led by that guy and not have that night-to-night consistency. Obviously, fans are not going to be pleased with that. So basically, you know, I think Mark Berman in, in the article also is basically saying, you know, early in the season, you know, the way fans turned on him might've also played a factor. And, you know, so all, all of this to say it, it has been a, a year. It has been a year for us with Julius. It's been a year for Julius with us just in general, but um, you know, Mike, I just want to, cause I, I know Sean's got like probably not the hottest, but I know Sean's going to give like the, the best spiel. So I'm trying to stay, save him you know, for the end here, but like Mike, give me, give me your Julius thoughts, like initially uh, season wise, but I'll, you know, obviously today, like what, when you saw all these different things popping up, I mean, what did you, you, you buying it or not? And then what's your take on them in general? I think I'm buying it just from the end of the last game with the Bulls, like Knicks have a pretty good win and he kind of he visibly looked pissed off. I noticed that before it became a thing today, but I think it's just like, first they hate you, then they love you. Then they hate you again. It's really just, that's what it's like right now. And it's either, I don't know if he just can't handle the criticism. I don't think it's that it's, but something clearly off. And I think it was drew that pointed out in Slack before prepent, like before when fans weren't in the stands, he seemed to just play more loose. And then I guess he kind of just rode the momentum into when fans started to slowly come back. But since it's been normal, he's kind of regressed to the guy that we saw in his first year with the Knicks, which is like forcing his way too much not feeding the hot hand, even though it would benefit the team. And like, it's kind of just cascaded into this thing where now you have a convicted scammer that's being tied to a legitimate rumor. So he's down bad. I just don't know where it's coming from. I would like to know. I don't, I'm not buying the jealous of RJ thing, but I don't know. I wouldn't say Julius is jealous of RJ, but I also wouldn't say that he's not. I mean, and not just because he's some bad person. I think just naturally, honestly, quite honestly. I mean, from going to the playoff game last year to watching games on TV last year to being at the season opener this year and hearing the way that, you know, the MVP chance would rain down on him when he was at the line and then being in the garden now and hearing the absolute silence when he's at the line and then hearing the R.J. Barrett chance and, you know, RJ, the team is clearly pivoted to now building around RJ and things like that. You know, that as a human being, that must be tough. Like if I was standing at the free throw line and getting MVP chance and now, because honestly, the silence hurts me and I'm tired of his shit, but the silence hurts me when he's at the free throw line. It's like, damn, they used to rain down MVP chance on this guy. And now he goes to the free throw line and everybody's like on their phones, like, it's kind of wild. So, I mean, that, that has to be tough to deal with from a personal standpoint. But, I mean, he just hasn't handled it well. Um, his energy has sucked for many. I don't think that's the primary reason. Um, but his energy has really just been trash. Uh, he's, his energy has been bad. Um, he hasn't been consistent offensively. But 
the fact that his offensive inconsistency has been the least of my worries. Like recently he went six for 22 in back-to-back games and I didn't even care about how he was shooting. He just looked like he didn't want to be on the court. You know, then last night he's one for nine. I don't really care about the one for nine. You just look like you don't want to be out there. Like the, the, the basketball shouldn't be less fun with you on the court. Not as the highest paid player. Like we honestly, when I heard that he was back in the lineup, I was discouraged. You know, and then that that the game after that was not as much fun. The ball doesn't flow the same way. At one point in that game, what was the game we played after? Was it who do we play? Oh, Detroit, right? Yeah, Detroit. On Sunday. That Detroit. Yeah. yeah, that Detroit game, like there was a point where IQ and RJ both had it going. And we were going through them, things were flowing well. And then we stopped and we started going through Julius for like five straight possessions. We went to Julius Isos. And in all fairness to him, he scored on the first like two or three. He hit a fallback baby jumper. He did. The, he made the pump fake, and I think uh, Corey Joseph flew by him or whatever, and he got the layup. And it was like, okay. Then he had the turnover, and then IQ went back and made the stop, and then he came down and missed the layup. And it's just like the way that Julius scored. Like, at Obi in that same game had eight points in eight minutes. Obi in the Hornets game that we played had 18 points, 11 boards, six assists on eight for 11 shooting. And Obi doesn't stop the offense. Like, Obi gets his by taking off on fast breaks, by cutting back door, by hitting spot-up jumpers. The ball is able to move. Obi doesn't – for Obi to be effective, everything doesn't have to stop. And what I was hoping when Julius came back was that he would kind of fall into that mold, and I did my absolute best. You know, I didn't start the season uh, – you know, last, last season I was the main one defending Julius. After people were killing him for the playoff performance, I was like, you can't turn on him because of five games, blah, blah, blah. Then this season, people were killing him, and I was like, hey, you know, don't pull out the bazooka, grab the nine. Like, you don't have to kill him that much. But as time has gone on, it's just like, you know, the effort level, the energy level, the – yeah, like like you said, Mike, I realized that before today, before it became a conversation today. He tossed the ball over his shoulder and walked – I've never seen a Nick walk off that way. They normally all walk off to the other side. So he walked off to the Chicago bench side. And I'm just like, yo, like we won. Like everybody else is on the court celebrating, hugging each other, high-fiving. You know, they normally come together and like do a huddle after wins and stuff like that. Like he was gone. And so it's just like, yeah, if you're that detached from the team, bro, um, you know, to be honest, uh, I'm not, I'd say I'm not proud of it, but I'd be lying. I'm not going to lie. Last night he was playing so poorly, I just got legitimately fed up. It wasn't even a Julius hate thing. It was just like, this doesn't need to be a night where I watch 40 minutes of Julius and eight minutes of Obi because Obi's playing better. So he made a, he had a couple bad plays back to back, but he made a behind, he, he, there was a double that came. He waited until the double came. Then he was caught in the double. And then he made a behind the back pass to Jericho Sims's feet. And that was enough for me. And I stood up and I yelled, we want Obi. And I didn't really think it would catch, you know, I just started, I was yelling for a little while and then I kind of stopped because I was like, all right, I want to be standing here just yelling by myself. And then once I stopped, I realized it, it kept going. And the guy next to me was like, hey, you might've just did something. And then it started echoing. And then, you know, people said they heard it on TV. They were like, hey, do it again. So then I was like, next time the Bulls go to the free throw line, I got you. Did it again. They got even louder. And now we hear reports about him wanting a trade. So I'm not saying I chased him out of town, but like, I'm not saying I didn't, if it turns out to be true. And I just feel like it was what had to be done. I feel like for the, you know, beyond the chance, but just for the sake of the Knicks and for the sake of Julius, I believe this relationship is beyond repair. 
I don't know how you uh, are at where Julius is at. Like, I don't know what it would, you know, in his Players' Tribune article, that's the, that, that's the part that's so hurtful about this because his Players' Tribune article was so great. The guy we were rooting for last year was so great. Mike, your article about him was so great and how it was one of the greatest seasons we've had in Knicks history, and it really was. So to have that same guy who took accountability for what he was doing in year one and said he didn't like the way that he looked, and, you know, in terms of he was like, you know, I don't like – He's like, I hated what I saw. I hated what I saw my son emulating and things like that. And it's just like for him to be back to that and honestly probably worse at this point, it just hurts. It hurts. And it just seems like this has run its course. It seems like now we're going to have – we like we should be pivoting to going – like building around RJ regardless. But it also seems like he's not going to handle that as well. And if that's not what he wants and that's not how he wants to be a part of things, that's fine. You know, he just – he may have to go somewhere else. Like, you know, I, I, it's no hard feelings. I'm not upset. I'm still, when he goes somewhere else, I'm not going to hope that he doesn't do well so that we can be right about him. I don't need him to do poorly. Like, I hope he goes to Portland and thrives next to Dame, whatever it may be. I don't care. But like, it's just, it's, it's not here. It's not here. Uh, it's run its course. He, the relationship with the fans is broken. The relationship with his teammates looks to be broken. His energy is shitty. And I would much rather, like, I don't think he's even the best power forward for this team on the roster. I really like, I, I much prefer watching us play basketball with Obi in the game. Like, he's engaged on defense all the time. He's running out in transition. He's adding an element that we either need or don't have, whatever it may be. But, you know, he fits and everybody seems happy, you know? And I, I think that, there a lot of things come as writing on the wall and I try not to look at everything that way. But when RJ and Obi did their joint press conference, I was like, Oh, Julius is gone. Julius is gone. RJ and Obi are doing joint press conferences. What since when, how often do we do joint press conferences? You know? Um, so I don't know, man, but I, I hope that is the case. Cause I have gotten to the point now where I no longer enjoy watching him play basketball. I want him off this team, and I wish there was a way to shut him down for the rest of the season, and I stand on that. Yeah, I think they should shut him down, period. Just because how detached he is, maybe he just needs to reset. But, Kyle, what's a bigger red flag to you? If To me, it's if he really is jealous about RJ, or not jealous, but, you know, frustrated that RJ kind of passed him already because that's kind of what the end game should have been when he signed that contract. Like, he should have known, like, I'm here to help vault this guy up. He's 21 years old. I mean, I, I still don't know that I buy that. I, I don't, I, I think if anything, like I, I would understand more if it was like the human element, like Sean was saying, we're just in general, like more of the attention being pulled away from him versus it being anything really about RJ. Cause like, I, I do kind of stand by, you know, last year, a lot of it was obviously he ended up getting the all-star nod, but it really was about the two of them. like they were doing a lot like graphics and things that were made covers that were shot. A lot of it was about the two of them. You know what I mean? The slam cover, obviously. So, I mean, while Julius of course was like the leader and the top gun last year, um, it seemed like they were both enjoying this, this rise together. So I, it, it would feel weird to me that RJ getting better suddenly would be a problem for him. Like that, that's the strange part to me. What I what I think is more likely is like partly what Sean said about like the human element to it, but um, I think the balance of whatever they were trying to do or not 
trying to do kind of ended up ruining a lot of things because it felt like to me things were always all or nothing right you're either getting 12 minutes of Julius and it's going to be six straight hands off to Fournier and you know exactly what's coming right whether it's the rotation or the play calls it's it's it all all in right now these two guys right we're getting these two guys going and then when right when they started giving it to uh to RJ come December January it was the same thing. It was like very drastic. It was like, RJ, here's the fucking ball, man. Just, just here you go. Possession after possession. So to me, it felt like there was no, I wouldn't say no pecking order established, but like no balance within that because it seemed like very aimless with what they were trying to do night to night, uh, quarter to quarter a lot of time um, versus like, like Sean said uh, in the Detroit game, you know, five straight Randall possessions in a row, right? After the ball had been whipping around and like, yeah, he made them right. Okay, good. But the point is, like, why is it five straight? This has been my problem all year. Why is anything straight? Why is anything consecutively in a row? Like, we are, it's not like we're, we're Chris Paul fucking dicing up defenses that we can keep running our stuff five or six or seven times in a row and, and they got to stop us, right? Like, it's not, that's not what's happening. So, whenever we run stuff in a row, like, and, and this is for anything too, because like, there's times when everybody's tweeting, like, oh my God, you know, what, well, well, RJ would, you know, just, just killed him six, seven possessions in a row. Why, why aren't we continuing to go through RJ? And it's like, well, partly because you can't do that every single possession. Right. But like, you, you know, it starts to get predictable or guys start to make mistakes, you know, get a little too aggressive, too tired. Right. Whatever. But it's just like, I, I just don't get what the offensive game plan or approach was this year, you know, like within any of that. So that was a problem for me too. So I, I don't know what, like it was for him specifically. I don't know if he was, you know, upset with himself, starts pressing fans, get upset. He feels a way about that. I, it could be also, usually it's just all these things at the end of the day. It's never really one thing. Usually it's just like a little thing bothered me here. A little thing bothered me here. This bothered me more than it should. I didn't let go of this. You know what I mean? And, you know, adds up, you miss the playoffs, you're embarrassed after you were just the most uh, improved player last year, you make the playoffs, everything's, it looks like you guys are on the upswing individually as a team. So I, I'm sure it's a lot of things like this was pretty, you know, not great for him in that aspect. So, I mean, the only thing I will say is, again, I, I don't, I don't mind the whole move on from him conversation. I just, you know, this is, this is what everybody did after the 2019 season. And I think, you know, there's a reality where not that I'm and uh, say, I, I'm not for or against this, but I think there's a reality where like the, the Knicks come in and go, Hey man, uh, we don't believe that you're going to have the worst shooting season of your career again. Okay. Uh, we're, we're sorry for, you know, you know, maybe the way the fans react or whatever, but um, we don't think you're going to be that bad again. Uh, you know, we just, we just want to, you know, we're starting this new four-year deal, whatever. Let's see how this year goes. You know, this is what we're going to do to change things, whatever. We plan on bringing, you know, whatever in, right? Like uh, whatever they're going to tell them their plan is, right? Everybody thinks it's Brunson, whoever it is, you know. Okay, here, here's what we plan to do. Here's how that's going to help you offensively. Here's what we plan, you know, whatever it is. I feel like if they're bringing Tibbs back, I feel like they're bringing Randall back. And I feel like at least to start the year, that's going to be how that goes. Because... Not that I think that's the worst thing in the world either, because you could still explore trades for him. I just, I think this rushing to give him away conversation is like, that's where I kind of get lost. I, I think you could be more pragmatic about wanting to move him, but just find like kind of fair value, more fair value for him. That's all. Like, I don't think you got to press to get off of him. Like uh, he's an albatross either. Like 
again, it was a career worst shooting year, but 2010 and five, not many guys were still giving you that level of production, no matter how ugly it was. Like, and I know at times it was ugly this year. Um, but I do think you can make the case that the Knicks will just bring him back and, and tweak the rest of the roster, maybe, right? Or we'll see what they try to do with trade market wise. But I can't see them just doing like the Portland thing and and just trying to move him for the sake of, you know, not attaching picks to get rid of the contract. It, at worst, it's like the 50th highest paid contract in the NBA, right? Like it's not something you got to really sprint to get out of. It's more like, all right, if, if it makes sense, if it makes sense, this is what I said at the deadline too. If it makes sense, like, yeah, do what you got to do, you know, but I think there's, you know, I don't know about a, you know, one-to-one fair value deal, but I think there's something that's more than just dumping him in Portland for the sake of moving up a spot. You know what I mean? Like there's other, there's other deals. Like go, go, go find a a better deal. Then if that's what you're going to do, fine. Because, and the reason I say that too, is because if you rush to do that, I think that does you a disservice to trying to build around RJ too. I think if you're smart about what you can flip Randall for, that helps you now. Because for example, I've gotten on here last couple of times and bitched to you guys about the Knicks don't have pick leverage anymore. The Knicks don't have whatever any, they, they blew the picks. They blew. Okay. Well, you don't know what you can get in a Randall deer if you're smart about it. So, you know, depending where you got to go, depending which team you could leverage, like see, see what sticks, like go call around, but don't just, don't just dump as soon as the off season ends. I think that's a long off season. You got till the trade deadline next year. Like you could figure some shit out. I think they're just going to go all in or do exactly what you just said, though. I really think they're going to try and do like, obviously the dream case would be a Utah package for Donovan Mitchell, but that, I just don't see that ever happening. I think it would be more like, like a dump to Portland for a draft pick or something really stupid. Nothing like something we're all going to get angry at initially. Just be like, wow, really didn't get anything. Or they're going to be like, wow, we really sold high on him. Um, I mean, to be, if I'm in my honest heart of hearts of what I really believe, I think he's a New Orleans Pelican. Because I don't see Zion Williamson playing any more games there. And I just think he's the easiest part of that trade package. Um, but well, that's why I not, said that, that's why I say he's going to be back next year. Because it wouldn't well, happen think, this summer. I think, I, you don't think it happens this summer? I think this is this is my this has been my Zion stance for for a minute now. He just is coming off that injury as a hefty individual. He's not going anywhere until he signs the next contract. I think he shows up next year. He's ready to go. He looks like he did last season. He starts to play. They go, okay, we're ready to play ball again. Here's your new contract. We want to keep you in New Orleans because we have no other choice but to give you this contract. He gets that. In that next year or so, I think he's out. I don't think it gets there. I don't think he touches the court for them again, not in a uniform. And I think that he still gets that. Like when we traded KP, KP still got his money. I think he makes sure he gets traded before that time comes so that he can get his money. Yes, but that was also a fairly unprecedented situation with KP. That's why that was such a big deal was the way he was forcing his way out while also trying to get the money. So I think this is more unprecedented was not like, for Zion it could, to no, not let them it could be on his foot until like the week before training camp and then to be away from the team rehabbing with in Portland, like at the Nike headquarters. I don't think he has any intentions of playing basketball for that team. I don't know anything. I like to make that abundantly clear all the time. I know nothing. But like the writing on the wall just looks like he doesn't he doesn't plan to be there. I don't think he's going to play another game there. I think that might happen. this. I think him getting traded this summer is more realistic than him playing for them again. I don't think he's going to play for them anymore. 
But yeah, if that's not the case and you just got to move, I would, I understand what you're saying. You definitely try to get the maximum you can for them. It's just, in my opinion, at this point where I'm at, it's kind of an addition by subtraction thing. Like, I'm not even that concerned about what the return is. Just get him out of my way. That's where I'm at at this point. Get him out of my way. Like, if you can get a first-round pick, great. If you can get some kind of asset, great. But I can 100% confidently say that if I were to go into, and it wouldn't be, it's not the ideal scenario because, of course, you want things to happen this summer. You want exciting things to go down, blah, blah, blah. But if we came into next season with Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, RJ Barrett, Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson, I'd be excited. So, like, I'm not that concerned about the return. Just get that guy out of here. Get him out of my way. It's gross. It's disgusting. It's not even about the numbers. It's not always, yeah, 2010 and five, that's great. It'll be great somewhere else. He's, he's nasty. His attitude sucks. Like he doesn't, he doesn't want to be here. He doesn't act like he wants to be a part of the team. Like, and I'm, I'm not even, I'm not one to be like a body language expert, but like, come on, bro. How much more evidence do we need? You, I, I don't jump to conclusions off body language, but I also don't ignore what's right in front of me. And, like, last night when he flipped that ball over his shoulder and went out the other tunnel, I was like, yo, he's done. Like, you know, and then there was that one video, and I know a lot of people were like, oh, blah, blah. the entire team comes out of the tunnel, and every <laughs> single player on the team <laughs> gave high fives to the people in the crowd sticking their hands down like everybody in the NBA does when they come out the tunnel. And Julius Randle comes out last and doesn't even give so much as a wave or anything. Yeah, that was like. Mean. That was crazy. That was yeah, wild. That was, like, I know I, we sound stupid reacting to it, but like, come on, son. Like, that's wild. Yeah, do it for you, the kids. Only you. Only you. Everybody else did it. That's why I think is it's either beef or he's like in a really deep funk of like something that we don't know about. Because that was just like, I'm not paying attention or I'm choosing not to pay attention. Yeah, I, I can't even do the funk thing anymore, man. Like, uh, at a point in the season, I was like, okay, you know, maybe he's going through something. I was worried. At one point I, I, on post-game pouting, whatever it was, and I made the clip too, I was like, yo, I am legitimately concerned for Julius Randle as a human being. And I meant that. I was concerned for him as a human being. But, like, that's a two-week, three-week, that's not an entire season kind of thing. At this point, this is just who you are and what you're doing. I can't be like, oh, something must be going on. He himself said he was fine. They ridiculed the idea of us thinking something was wrong with him. So all I have to go off is what you tell me. So if you say you're fine, if it's that bad and it's that serious for something, because I'm, we all know, I'm, I'm Mr. Mental Health. I'm the mental health guy. Take, a, take some time away from basketball, figure out what you got to figure out. But if you're going to be on the court, I'm going to evaluate the basketball played, how you fit in with the team, all of that stuff. And that's all we can do. That's what, that's our job. That's what we do here. We do it on the pod. We do it on the tweets. We do it during the game. That's what we do. You play, we evaluate. That's it. I can't insinuate, Oh, something must be happening. No, I don't care about all that. It's been like seven months, bro. He's affected my mental health this year more than I've affected his. And I'm still responsible for carrying on and doing what I, I can't be like, Oh, you know, Julius Randle's, I, no, I got to figure it out. So, uh. yeah, I mean, it's it's a shitty situation, man. It, it's unfortunate. It is what it is. Um, I, okay, there's there's valid points to, to move it, of course. It's just, um, you know, if this is supposed to be a, a pragmatic and, and cautious and smart front office, I expect that they're probably not just going to dump them. That's, that's kind of how 
I feel like, and the thing is too, even if you move him this summer, you could still like not dump him and move him this summer. Like I'm saying like you could move, move him if you want to move him. Like there's nothing wrong with being on that side of the argument, whatever. Just, I, I'm just not of wanting to totally dump. Like to me, it's not, it's not there. You know, like I, I think even if he wants to be done, that's fine. We, we got months to talk to teams leading into next year, training camp, whatever, to try to figure something out. So I think just be smart about what you try to do. That's it. And either way, like if you're going to move forward with the RJ thing, like that's what you should be doing anyway. That's fine. I love the Zion thing that happened too. Like, you know, you there's, there's stuff that's got around about that so far about him coming here or whatever. Like I've heard some stuff like I, I can't say something like I would ever report, whatever say, cause you unconfirmed. can't confirm it, it. It truly is unconfirmed. You can't, <laughs> you, you can't, you can't confirm like some of the stuff that comes up. So it's just like, you never really know, but it's like, yeah, obviously like it, like RJ and Zion obviously get along very well. You know what I mean? Like, obviously there's, there's a world where I'm sure that they've considered playing together. Don't forget you know? Cam. It, like I, I am right now. I'm sorry, but yes, I, Yes, Cam Cam does factor it into it also from that Duke trio. Um, but yeah, I mean if that look, if that's the move and they want to dump him dump him back in New Orleans and and you know, New Orleans is happy about that because they can't I mean, get anybody else. And CJ CJ Randall Ingram's not terrible. That's a good team. It's really not that bad, oh, to be quite honest with you. But if that's what you want to do. You know, get get a first or something out of well, no, we'd have to be paying up for Zion. I don't know. I mean, I it, that that'd be fine, but I don't think that's going to be the move. But you know, either way, I think Zion is only going to be here when Randall isn't. So I don't know what the overlap or not or deal would look like, but I think that's that's what you would hope for. I just don't think it's going to be this year. Oh, what what is your? And we're getting ahead of ourselves, of course, but discourse. What is your? Zion trade. Ooh, uh, I mean, that's that's tough because you never know what that dickhead David Griffin wants. But um, he'll be fired soon. Okay, okay. So first of all, because I know that there's people that exist because they always do whenever we, we have our fun trade takes. Everybody has to poo poo or ruin it, right? Yes, I'm aware that Zion is is fat. Okay, I'm aware that he was a hefty guy. I'm aware that he's a fat guy who had a foot injury. I'm aware. I'm aware, right? Let's just bring it up right in the front, all right? We are all three of us on this podcast. We're acknowledging the fatness of Zion and the that fatness with a foot injury. We, we are, we're there, okay? We understand the risk. We understand the re-injury risk. We understand uh, how that could be lingering an issue, how that could come back to bite us if we give him a hefty contract, okay? Well, let's just get it out of the way. Uh, I still think you gotta. I mean, you gotta give a bunch of first round picks, right? I mean, I just think about when he was healthy. I think there was never a more efficient paint scorer than Zion Williamson at the age of like 20 years old. Uh, it was a high volume of which he was doing it. I don't, you know, people bounce off of him as he just floats through the air on the way to the rim. Uh, I think if you, you know, give RJ Barrett a vertical threat like that again, somebody who he'd be reunited with. He's played with already uh, NBA spacing, hopefully not a war criminal of a head coach who get, provides him better offensive system. Um, 
I think that'd be, you know, obviously that's the fever dream. We all wanted Zion a few years ago, but imagine, you know, you double dip on that Duke team and you get both both the top guys and they both pan out in the NBA. I mean, you can't script it better than that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what other what else, what other plan could they could the Knicks do to get you that excited, right? Because Donovan Mitchell, right? Like we've talked about that. Obviously, we'd all be through the moon if we got Donovan Mitchell, but I think like the 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 upside potential with like a Zion here is, is pretty massive. So I don't know what my trade would be per se, but as you know, with all my like Godfather offer superstar deal type things, I'm always like, well, well here's three picks um, for starters. That's the, before we get anywhere else, here's three picks. Okay. Like that's, so you know where I'm at uh, unprotected. I don't, I'm not even fucking around with protections unprotected. Just take it. Right. And then, um, Take take your pick. I mean, we got some young players here. I mean, who's who's interesting to you? Um, I'll let you know if you go too far, but who's interesting to you? Most mostly have who you want, and then uh, we'll figure out the salary. So it's probably going to be like three picks. I mean, you probably send Obi, right? I mean, I, I, I you got to give him, you got to give him something exciting for exciting Obi. I mean, quickly. I mean, any of these guys. I, I, this is for Zion. We're talking about. I would send a lot here. I mean. I, I feel like at that point, I, I'm, I'm going to be bullish on, on who I can sign to complete whatever it is that I'm doing or who I'm going to be able to get to complete. So I'm sort of just going all the fuck in. You know, they, they baby, everybody is what I'm trying to say. Everybody, you can have like everybody that's not named RJ Barrett and most of all the picks is that's the answer. My dream case scenario, this is purely dream case. Randall, Fournier, and then Obi and probably quickly as well, and then a slew of picks. Because you're probably going to have to pay Cam, you're going to pay Zion, and you're definitely paying RJ. So I think you're just trying to go all in with that, and then you still have Grimes left over, which is very good. And Deuce is still around as well as Jericho, so you still have stuff to build with, and Mitch. Uh, So for me... I started at Julius Randle and four picks. Um, and then from there, it's how much closer do I need to get to what they want? Um, I feel like, especially because Zion hasn't played in a while, like he hasn't played all, of course, he's still Zion, but this isn't injury risk. I feel like that brings the price down a little bit. I also think that we'll probably be the one team on his list. Um, and the only place he would accept an extension. Like, I kind of felt that he'd be backed into sending him to us. Uh, so I offer Julius Randle in four picks and try to see what that gets. And if I have to tip the scales, I add Quentin Grimes, even though it hurts my feelings. It would, it would, it would kill me inside. That would kill me. It would kill me inside. I love Quentin Grimes so much. But, I mean, when you, from the time we traded for Cam, I was like, ooh, Zion propaganda, for sure. So, I mean, if you've got RJ and Cam on the wings and you got Zion, I feel like to me, it's, I mean, to me in general, it's probably more important. I, I love Emmanuel quickly. And we can probably get to that in this pod too. But uh, I think that you throw, throw Quentin Grimes in that trade with Julius and four picks and a deuce if they won, or you ask if, if they care for Mitchell Robinson sign and trade. I don't know. They got JV. He's playing well. I don't know. But. You know, I, I feel like Julius and four picks starts a conversation. I would hope at least. I have no idea. Like like Kyle said, we have no idea what David Griffin wants or how they handle it or what the price would actually be. But I think Julius four picks and then Quentin Grimes seems like a fair deal for Zion Williamson. 
um, especially off of a foot injury and a year and a half without playing basketball. Um, and yeah, losing Quentin would suck, but you got to give something to get something. And you have, you have your two wings already. So, you know, oh my goodness. Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish, Zion Williamson, Mitch or Jericho, please. And Let's I think, because I, I don't, I don't think you have to send Obi because you're sending Randall. I don't, I, I, I would hate that for Obi to go somewhere else and back Randall again. <laughs> oh my goodness. I feel like Griffin would just do it just to be Griffin. Dunk, oh, we got a dunk contest, champ. <laughs> no, he's just like always like he was like trying to trade up for RJ before the J. He's just like one of those type of guys where he's just always just doing some fuck shit for no reason. Yeah, I'm not I'm not big on David Griffin, but can't stand um, him. No, not, not at all. But um that that lineup you mentioned, Sean, you know, like yeah, obviously happened like quickly, RJ, Zion. Like to me, that's fun and exciting because me and Mike I remember that whole year we were annoyed. Remember, we we're just like, I mean. Well, that, why do they got these two guys out here? No, no guards that can shoot with them. What sense does this make? You got what? What, what the fuck are you doing putting these two guys out and then packing the pick? Like, what? What is the model for success here? We were irate. So I think if you're like, all right, we're, we're taking the Duke thing, we're running it back, but also now the guards can shoot. It's I. I mean, scary. I mean, scary. come on. I mean, come on. It I gets mean, very fun, and everybody's like 22 years old. It gets very fun. I mean, that's that's why I want to keep Grimes, man. That's like literally the ideal fourth guy on the court. I, I would love to keep Quentin Grimes in that scenario. Don't. I, I hope that no one who hears this thinks that I'm looking to trade Quentin Grimes. I just understand you have to part with something you love to get Zion Williamson. Right. No, no, it, it's unfortunate how much we have to like stipulate every every part of what we say because people do get really upset man it's wild you, know, you say one thing and everybody everybody that that's it like they they people don't ever like actually understand your point They're, they make like a separate point at you and then argue it you know like it's, it's unfortunate like it is what it is but um <laughs> it, but but the point is uh the the quickly thing you know right there just makes me think just in general you know, he's been playing well. I've enjoyed watching him play lately. Um, I think it's uh, pretty easy to see why people would like him to to get a real look uh, with full confidence to just let him play. Um, you know, I think he's made some really great passes. I think he's made some really great reads lately. I think he's, um, I, you know, I, I think he's just gotten better as the year's gone on in different aspects, you know, his shot wasn't there, remember, for a good part of the year. And um, what we've watched, at least for me this year, this this was a, a defensive and playmaking season from Emmanuel quickly for me. Like, last year was all about buckets, right? Like, he was just getting fucking buckets. He would check in the game. Buckets. He might go for 30. You had no idea. We had no idea what was going on. Nobody did. He was coming into games five floaters in a row, six threes in a row, just unloaded it, right? This year, that guy wasn't really there, you know? And I don't know what it was, but he just hadn't hadn't had the shot going, right? A couple big games, obviously. Everybody still gets, you know, a couple big games here and there, but he just, it wasn't the same. But he was, he was defending really well this year, uh, consistently, all year. Uh, real good ball pressure. I thought he does really well fighting over screens. Um, he never really goes under. He never really dies on any. Um, and even when he chases, usually he makes up ground well. So I, I like what I saw, you know, from him on that end. And 
and playmaking. Like, yeah, obviously, like there's a difference between being like a true half court point guard, like like a Chris Paul, you know, like, you know, really measuring every option and and knowing, you know, every cut that's going to happen like that. Of course, like that, that's one kind of point guard. But, you know, he's like a, a read and react type guy. And and if if he's in a, a free flowing system, if he's been, uh, you know, empowered to run, you see some of those some some of those uh, passes he can make are really good. Uh, really, really quick, really, you know, crafty type things. Obviously, his favorite is still throwing it up, those, those lobs. He's always lo- looking for OB, looking for somebody in the air. But um, I, I just think those two things from him have been really, really strong. So although, you know, the offense has been better lately, he's been finding his own shot, you know, a couple of big games, uh, you know, scoring. But I like that it wasn't just one thing. You know, we got to see two kind of big, big areas of growth for him. So. I think that's, you know, kind of just enhances the point we made all year. You know, we just wanted to, wanted to see him get a shot. And, uh, you know, it sucks for Alec Burks because he's overextended at point guard. Uh, we've all said now for the 500 millionth time uh, as, as Knicks people. So, you know, when, when you see quickly going again, it kind of makes you realize that Burks is, you know, just a fine player when he plays a real role, but just not – not the overextended nonsense we've uh, grown accustomed to. So, I mean, quick, quickly has been great, though. So, I mean, hopefully we get it next year. I, I don't know what else I'm supposed to say. I don't know if we get another point guard, but ho- hopefully he gets a, a real shot because, uh, you know, he, he's he been good. He's improved multiple areas, and I think he's earned it. Uh, to me, that, isn't, that what that, isn't that what you ask for for young players, right? improve in a bunch of areas you suck at you're not good in these areas go get better at them and then you've earned more time so if he's gotten better as a passer better as the defender then therefore why hasn't he earned even more time where's his promotion you know like what where is i don't i don't don't know what more he has to show you at that point he's been a beast on the glass which is really underrated a beast on the glass which thank you because how long, how long all year was I complaining about long rebounds? I said, we're getting blasted, yo. Our guards, nobody's looking. No, every guard stands around all year looking, looking, just waiting. Nobody's even concerned. Nobody, they're not getting out on the break, and they're not looking at rebounds. They're just standing, like, in that long two area of the opponent. So, yes, him. I love watching him get rebounds. Absolutely. Go, crash. Crash the fucking glass, man. Because he's crashing the glass, and he's immediately looking to push every single time. I love like, it. There was one play against the Pistons. He got the board and like threw this amazing outlet pass to Obi, who is one of the best deep threat wide receivers in the NBA. Like it's crazy. Like that's literally Mahomes to hell, bro. Yeah, he literally stretches <laughs> the floor like he. It's like it's amazing, and he threw it in stride. It was perfect. Uh, he's made. He made an excellent bounce pass to Mitch down the stretch of the game last night. Then that game, the big bucket by Alec Burks in the corner was Emmanuel quickly breaking down the whole defense and making a kick out. You know, all these things that people have told me he can't do all this time, he's doing incredibly well. And like you said, Kyle, all season he's been playing great defense. He's been playmaking well. Those are the two things we wanted better from him after last season. The jumper fell off a cliff at a point this year, but, I mean, he's a 90% free throw shooter. We saw what he can do as a shooter. I wasn't worried about the jumper at any point. None of us were. So it's just like now we're seeing the jumper come back. We're seeing him get to the line at like a star rate. I'm always very confused when he misses a free throw. Like at one point in the game last night, uh, he made the first one. And I was like, the second one is good too. I'm not even going to watch it. Like I said it out loud. I was like, he's because uh, some lady was like, boo, like a Bulls fan. And I was like, don't waste your breath. He's 90%. 
And I was like, I'm not even going to watch the second one. And he missed it. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> whoa. Uh, but yeah, he rarely misses free throws. He gets to the line. And he's like, you know, he'll go eight for eight from the line. Like, that's, he's a star. He scored 20 points in the fourth quarter against the number one team in the NBA with a great defense and still didn't get a start. I thought that was crazy. Like, what does he have? Literally, like, nothing he does will get him a start. Um, our pace is so much better. We, we're, we're able to initiate offense. He's making good reads. He's directing traffic. Like, he's taking huge leaps. And people forget or people either forget or just didn't know. He was the number one point guard in the country in high school. Like, he's not new to playing point guard. It's not like we're trying to make some shooting guard a point guard. He was a point guard and we're seeing him be able to do that. And we're seeing him be, you know, trusted to do that. And I feel like that's what's making the biggest leap. Like that play last night where he makes that kick out to Alec Burks three months ago, Emmanuel quickly doesn't get to do that. Emmanuel quickly comes down the court and has to defer to Julius and give him the ball at the high elbow and go spot up somewhere. So what a surprise when you let your second year point guard play point guard, you get to see him play point guard pretty well. And I hope that we at least give him the opportunity in year three. Like there's not, Outside of Jaden Ivey, there's not like a guy in this draft who was like, oh, yeah, he can come in and be better than him quickly tomorrow. So don't waste your time. Then in free agency, I mean, like, I don't want to give Jalen Brunson $20 million to give me what I think Emmanuel quickly can give me right now. Like, I, I don't need it. And so I think you just got to give him the opportunity, allow him to grow. I think you got a guy like Emmanuel quickly, you got a guy like RJ. RJ said something the other day in a press conference about them being able to grow together. And I think, yeah, that'd be amazing. I think they're both very high. I, I think this, I think the, I've always thought the sky's the limit for RJ. We all do. But man, I think Emmanuel quickly ceiling is something that people don't understand. Everybody talks about his floor. Oh, he's, he's a six man, blah, blah, blah. He's this and that. And he can't do this. He can't do that. And he's, he's shown his ability to do so many things. And I think that given an, a, a real opportunity to be, I mean, the fact that, you know, and this, after the season now, it's pretty much over. Over 100 games, starting Alfred Payton and Alec Burks over him, a point guard. Indict that man, bro. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's not like we have a Chris Paul or a Damian Lillard, even a Malcolm Brogdon, where it's like, okay, that's the reason that man who is the backup point guard. He's backing up Alfred Payton and Alec Burks. Like, you could have played that guy at point guard. So hopefully in year three, he gets that opportunity. Start him a point guard, give him 30 minutes a game. Honestly, at this point, with the way he's been playing recently, we should be seeing 30 Emmanuel quickly minutes a game. In my opinion, we should be seeing 35 Emmanuel quickly minutes a game. And imagine what you could be in 24 minutes. He's like in like 25 minutes a game. He's given us 15, six and five over the course of a month. And so I think if you give that guy 30, 35 minutes, I think you can easily get 18 points, six board, 18 points, five boards, five assists out of Emmanuel quickly. I don't even think that's being and efficiently too, especially if the jumper doesn't fall off a cliff for two months. And so when you got that kind of guy, he's able to get to the line that way. He defends well, he keeps the energy high. I don't know why you don't just lean into that. I mean, that, that, that could really help the youth movement that we have going on. And, you know, it, it could, you can grow up. Like, and we, we, we very rarely have this kind of young talent to ever watch something develop. And I feel like that's why people are impatient. And they want, you know, they want Jalen Brunson. They want, you know, you look around the league, even Anthony Simons right now. Anthony Simons going crazy. Year two Anthony Simons? Nobody gave a shit about year two Anthony Simons. Like, nobody gave a shit about year two Jalen Brunson. But everybody's telling me what Emmanuel quickly can't be in year two, and I think it's crazy to me. So that's my point guard. I say it all the time. That's what I say when he scores. That's what I say when I quote the TKW clips. That's what I say in the garden. 
that's my point guard. And I'm going to keep saying I'm going to keep screaming it because I'm so proud of him. And I'm looking forward to what he continues to become. And I hope he's here to do it. Yeah, their best three, like moving forward, it's very simple. Just keep RJ quickly and Obi together for as long as possible. Just figure out a way to keep them on the floor because those three are always doing something. You can't really say that for a couple other people on the team, whether they're struggling or not. They just, no one hustles like quickly and Obi, I think, and RJ as well, but those two more. You got to make shit happen, man. You got to make shit happen, you know? And I feel like just stylistically, that's what quick does. Like, you know, it's not even about positions either. It's about, you know, different guards, different point guards, shooting guards, whatever. Guys have different play styles in general. No, no two players are the same. Quickly plays a very distinct version of basketball, you know? So just, let him be the player that he's going to be, but it's not like he doesn't move the ball around. Like he does whip it around when he's uh, running up and down the court. So I just think you got to, when you have players who are imaginative like that and who are creative like that and can kind of provide you that sort of game breaker element offensively, um, you know, not just like that microwave on fire, but that like, you know, when you watch a guy like real, like, really just like feeling it in the flow of a game, just in, in all facets. Like that's kind of what he provides to you at times with the electricity that he could bring. So it's a special type of player. If, if the upside is, you know, taken care of in the right way. So hopefully, hopefully uh, we, we see him get an opportunity, but yeah, he's, um, he's fun, man. He, he's fun to watch, especially when he's on, you know, just a, it's a fun brand of basketball. So, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, he's just got to get. He's just got to get minutes. Like he, he's got to get. It's that simple. You've you've seen twenty five minutes, twenty twenty five minutes of him. Now you got to see thirty thirty five. You got to see more. Him and Deuce have to be the closing backcourt, especially when you need to stop moving forward. That has to be the backcourt you go with with the game on the line. Those two just play off each other way too well. I, I love it. It's beautiful on both ends of the floor. It's beautiful, honestly. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I like seeing Deuce getting more comfortable offensively. I wish he was given more time to do so. I mean, he gets his hook is ridiculously quick. It's crazy. And it's like, it's not even a quick hook in terms of performance. It's just a quick hook, no matter what. Like, no matter how well you play defense, no matter if you score in the 30 seconds you get, I'm still going to pull you. Tom Thibodeau's a nasty man, bro. That's a nasty man. I, I can't have him here. He has to be gone. Him and Julius Randle both have to be gone. I can't do this anymore. How long do you think? He lasts next season. 30 something. I think it'll be a mid season trade. You're talking about Julius or Tom Thibodeau? Thibodeau. Oh, same. I think he'll last if, like 20 games at least. If God loves me the way I think he does, he won't make it to next season. Is he, Oh, he's already confirmed making it to next season. Is he no. confirmed making it to next season? They already said that. The, that the next one will bring him back. And the summer's that, different. That's, that, that's no. The, the, you guys the like Jake Fisher more than I do. The Knicks put this out there ahead of time so that you, Sean, are prepared for the reality that Tibbs has brought back. They don't. They don't say this stuff, and I, and also with the Fisher thing too. I I always just go by accuracy. If if you if you are correct, and you keep being correct, and you have multiple t- attempts of being correct on the same subject, I have no choice but to believe you until you start you start to look bullshitty. And you know, Sean, I love I love finding the bullshitters, but. 
if, if he's going to keep being right, I got no choice. It came from him. He was right about uh, everything the last offseason. And remember, nobody wanted him. I did the same thing on the on the podcast last year, remember? He reported 40A, and I said, are we, sh- are we sure that this guy knows what he's talking about? Are we sure? I've never heard this guy in Knicks news before. Are we sure that this is a, a, pro- a proper bit of information? And what ended up happening, he was right about that. He was right about Noel. He was right about Burks. He was right about all the other deals. So unfortunately, could be right in the moment. Like I'm not denying that, but plans do change. Like this was right. It's possible. When did it come out? Did it come out like before? Like RJ's been doing good the whole year, like the whole of 2022. But the young guys coming, not like the last two weeks is like have to really change. Like if you are watching these games, you can't say to yourself, "Whatever my plan was three weeks ago is still relevant today." Does that just mean like you're just not adapting for anything? I think that Miami game should have easily lost him his job for yeah. both what happened in the game and also what happened after. I think that this whole time we've been begging for the young kids to play. You don't do it. They play, you play them. We go three and oh, then you stop playing them. Right. And then we have a big comeback in Miami because we watched out. First of all, Emmanuel quickly, as well as he's been playing, like we just said for the past month or so, he played nine out of 24 minutes in the first half of the heat game. For what reason? If he didn't start going crazy in the fourth quarter, he would have played like 20 minutes that night, even though he's been playing really well lately. And Alec Brakes and Evan Fournier did nothing that night. And we watched them all night. So then the young guys get out there, they make it happen, they bring us back in the game, they beat the best team in the East at the time. And Tom Thibodeau gets on the podium and talks shit to me. Like, oh, please, God, don't watch the film, blah, blah, blah. Like, are, are you serious? This is what you're saying right now? You want to die on this hill? Let me tell you something. The Julius throwing the ball to leave the game. I put that right up there with Thibodeau's rant on just like clearly has a burn on Nick's Twitter or like people tell him about it. But that was the sign of a man that's breaking. Like to go out of your way to go on a rant on that at that moment after a win was kind of weird. It was a very great win. It was one of our best wins of the year. And you came up here and decided to start a beef with Nick's Twitter about watching the film. No, I don't watch (laughs) the game three or four times. I hate that I have to watch it the first time. How many times do I need to watch you put Ali Burks in at the six-minute mark and watch the offense, run the offense through him and lose the game? I don't need to watch that three or four times, bro. The fact you coming up here telling me you watch the games three or four times and still do the same thing over and over again is an indictment on you. It's not what you think it is. The nine bad plays, one good play? Are you talking about Julius Randle? Are you talking about Evan Fournier? Because I don't think that Obi Toppin gets a long enough leash to make nine bad plays over a three-game stretch. So who are you, who are you talking, who are you talking about and who are you talking to? And that seemed like a guy who realized, oh man, I've been screwing up. This highlights my screw up. And now I have to come out and attack everybody else. So that it's not like, oh, why weren't you just doing it? Uh, Steve Jones, I believe it is. I, I hate to Steve Jones. Yeah. He made a thread about the heat game. And at one point in it, he was like, you know, I'm at the point now where I'm wondering why you didn't just hand the ball to Emmanuel quickly and let him run around instead of handing the, the reins of your offense to Alec Burks. And from the, as I was reading Steve Jones's thread, he doesn't sound like a guy that watches a lot of Nick games. So the fact that you broke down the film of this one game and not three or four times on your first breakdown, you were able to conclude this that we've been saying all year, but Tom Thibodeau, like, I, I don't know, bro. Like I don't want to see his next trick. Year one was overpaying. Year two was starting Alec Burks to point guard all year, no matter what. I don't want to see his next trick. He doesn't need to be back. I think it would be 
Like the front office let me down at the trade deadline. Outside of the trade deadline, I've been pretty in on them. You know, they drafted really well. I feel like they've done okay. That would be my biggest letdown. If they if Tom Thibodeau is on the sideline in training camp in preseason, and if he makes it to next season, that's a failure on the part of the front office, in my opinion. There's nothing he's done this year that warrants him coming back. Um, I I think it's been very obvious, it's been very egregious. This team did not have to be in it. The fact that we're still not mathematically eliminated is actually really annoying. It's hilarious. When you think also. about all the close games we dropped and all, like the fact that we went the entire February and won one game. Two and 17. Two and 17 while having like six 20-point leads. <laughs> Why are we bringing that guy back? This, t- this year could have been a playoff year. How many years do you need to watch him screw up? Let him go, please. My fear is he's gonna his last trick is gonna be saying he needed D Rose. That's like his last trick in the bag because this team fell off a cliff once Rose was out for the season. So that's literally all he has left in his deck. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, at at some point, like we're also not wrong a lot either. You know what I mean? Like some point at some point, like we say the same sorts of things about like certain types of players, like taking risks on certain guys or rolling the dice on letting them play more. Um, and like, that's what the quickly thing is like in certain sports, you need like those kind of gunslingers, you know, we're always just kind of taking chances, like whatever the chances they, they just like make shit happen. Like in, in soccer a guy, right. Who's always in the box. Just like always kick, just kick it like a, like a most a lot, right. Always, just, always just kicking that fucking ball. Like it is. Sometimes there's no angle. Sometimes there's no real chance, but you just, Hey, I'll just, I'm, I'm kicking this shit in here. I'll make some shit happen. A rebound, whatever, kick the ball back in. Like, that's what you need. Like quickly to me, it kind of gives you that like element of a guy who could just come in and like fuck shit up. Like, that's what you need. A guy who just comes in and like, Sometimes, yeah, he's lo- he's just lobbing it up over and over again to Obi, right? Like he's not even doing too much himself. Sometimes he's coming and he's banging those threes. Sometimes he comes in, it's the floaters. Like you need a guy who could do a bunch of stuff very fast. Like speed kills. Like speed is important. You you have to be fast, and especially in basketball and NBA, almost where, where speed is the most important thing. Like you of all sports, like you have to be fast. You have to be you know, really on it. You got to have every angle, every split second, everything matters. Right. So I don't know why you don't play. You got like quickly more. I don't know why you don't see the upside there and think you gotta, you gotta get them out there and just see how far you can kind of take it with them. Um, and again, it, it, to me, it seems like he's a typical guard. Like in, in reality, what he's become, maybe Tibbs didn't see it initially, but like he, he's scrappy, he's undersized. Right. Um, he's, he defends well, he passes pretty well right now and, and he scores. And, and I feel like in, in Chicago, Tibbs had all those little guards that he loved he, those Nate Robinsons, those John Lucases. He had these little guards who would just run around, start, play big minutes for him. And Tibbs would maximize and get the most out of him. And I'm over here like, man, you couldn't figure out how to do that with the manual quickly. All these other, all these other funky little no names you fit, you figured it out with and you couldn't figure it out with the manual quickly. That's nuts to me. Uh, it really is. Um, and, and even with the bench last year, right? Oh, I, I can't start. I can't start him over Alfred. I can't start quickly over Alfred because Derek Rose and quickly are too good off the bench together. You know, I need to have them together. I can only play them together. Well, this year, uh, we don't have Derek Rose most of the year. And then what? 
crickets. That, that, and then then what? What? How are we gonna we're gonna weaken the bench, right? If we take Emmanuel quickly off, we're not weakening the bench by taking off one of our best bench scorers, Alec Burks. We're not weakening the bench that way. It makes no sense. It never made sense. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, we, try new shit. Try new stuff when the, when the other thing isn't working. So yeah, it, it would have been nice, but. Um, you know, good to see quickly balling. Uh, always obviously played really well as we touched it on before, uh, with the, with the Randall stuff. So, you know, that's, that's been great. Um, it's been good to see Jericho get some of those minutes while he's, you know, hit or miss mostly, obviously he's going to be when Mitch is out, he's going to play more minutes, but good to see him get out there. He's made a pretty decent impact in the time that he's been out there. But the main thing I want to touch on before we get out of here tonight, boys is RJ Barrett as of the last game is now, and I saved this for the end of the pod because it was a very, it was a very gross pod we had to get through for multiple reasons, multiple Mike, topics. air horns, please. But uh, I, I'm just going to let Mike drum roll here. So it was a gross season for, for so many reasons, right? But we finally got back to a point where we could find some silver lining, you know, and that silver lining, gentlemen, after a season where he started very slow, right? Atrocious start to the season. Just watching Evan Fournier get force-fed while he stood in the corner. Couldn't get going, right? Disgusting month and a half or so. After all that, RJ Barrett is averaging 20 points per game this NBA season. Yes, yes, yes. 20 points per game, guys. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Not call it. 20 points a game. 20. I mean, boys, I mean, do I love points or do I love points? I, I love points. And, and you know what? He's doing this without shooting 80% from the line. So and I think he's a hard enough worker where he's going to get to like, I'm going to be ambitious and say above 80, but even so, I think he's going to get right around there. So that you could pencil him in for 25 at this current rate next year. Like, I feel very confident in that statement. 100%, Mike. I've already said RJ Barrett will be a 25-point-per-game scorer next year, and I'm very confident in it. We've seen him do that since January. He's averaging like 24, 25. And, you know, he's doing it every night, even on off nights. Like, the Detroit game, he was not really that good. He had 21-9. Like, even on his off nights, he's getting 20. So it's just like, yeah, next year – 25 a game it's happening it's going to be better from the free throw line i believe i feel like right now this season i feel like rj is a three-level scorer that doesn't use the mid-range much and i think they're coming into the next season he'll work on that mid-range a lot and he'll be a killer from there as well and that'll man it's curtains for the league oh no wiggle right yeah. no wiggle he'll never be a scorer that was people's basketball analysis and wiggle shoot. can't shoot no wiggle, not athletic enough. Shut the hell up. 20, 20 point per game. game score year three. Stop playing with my guy. 20 a game, man. I'm. It makes me so happy happening year three because we got on this pod and I was like, you know, man. Remember, I think, and not exact quote, but I was like, wow, man, it, it'd be really tough, but I think he could be a 25-5 guy. Like if you're a 25-5 guy in the NBA, that's, that's really hard to do. I think he could be a 25-5 guy. I mean, I don't know when, but I think that's what he could be. And uh, we're getting like a 25, what, like three guy in year three. And it's like, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what what like the the full upside is, but I mean, that's a big year. One was what like fourteen points a game, right? Horrible, horrible efficiency. I don't know, but fourteen points a game, uh, not much else. Year two was seventeen and what a half almost, right? I mean, seventeen point six, yeah. Uh, I mean, year three you get to twenty. I mean, this is this is the level of of scoring progression I've always hoped for from draft picks. No, no more lies. No more lies sold on the on the potential of upside. I'm seeing real life results in front of me, boys, my, with my own eyes, right here. I'm seeing I'm seeing scoring evolution happen. I'm seeing him jump six points per game in total over two years. I can't believe it. I can't believe we have a a young player capable of putting that. Orange basketball in the hoop. I can't believe I'm seeing this with my own eyes year after year. That I, I don't know about 25. I don't want to get. I don't want to set myself up for disappointment. I don't. Wanna, I don't. You know. You know how. Uh, you know how we did it this year with expectations. All right. I don't want to. I want to temper. But I do think you know next year if he's really going to be the number one option all year. This is the new course of action with Tibbs without Tibbs because it's been with Tibbs since like December January like this. So. I think if this is really the course of action, this is year four RJ. I think they're going to tweak the roster a little bit. I think I'm just going to give it a gap, but I th- I think he 23, 25 over the course of a season, because once you become the top option, as we've learned, teams start the game plan for you a little differently. They do make your life a little bit more difficult. And then taking on a, a full top option workload in the NBA over the course of a season wears on you a little bit. So there's going to be some slumps inevitably. So I don't want to get too, too high, but I do think he's, he's going to be able to basically do what he did to close the season out over the course of a full season. And then, you know, we don't talk about the 20 point per game thing we're talking about when slash, you know, he's going to actually get over the 25 point per game mark. So I, it's possible next year for sure. Just given how he's played, but, um, I think like at least 23 is going to be this is like how I confidently feel. I feel like at least 23, like that's, that, that's a good, if you get to 22, 23, like in year four, like we're, we're really getting someplace. I will note last 16 games, he's technically been pretty cold from the floor. He's still averaging 24 and a half. He's just getting to the line a lot, which is really encouraging. And that's why I think, once he reaches like 80%, like right now over the stretch, he's shooting 77 from the line. He's shooting below 40 from the field, 30 from three. And he's still getting 24 and a half. I'm telling you, I think, I think 25 is very doable for him. It is. It is. It is. He's oh. here and he's him. Yes, sir. I mean, the, the, the last thing that I'm going to ask you guys, because it, it's come up. It was something that was discussed a little bit this week, and we've talked about it in the past. But what do you think R.J. Barrett fetches now on his new contract? Because I know we had the Berman thing about, oh, we, you know, he's not going to – are we sure he's not worth the max or whatever? Um, Disgusting article, by the way. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was a little bit of a wild article um, for Mr. Berman. But um, I, I think if we're being, like, totally – Totally honest. I think I think it's fair to like always wonder when you're going to give the full max out if the guy's worth like a hundred percent the full max because yeah, it's the full max. I understand why you're going to question. You know, that's what you do. You question. Okay, are we sure this is the guy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right. So I I understand that to a degree. I understand, but at the same time, like 
whatever he signs, it's going to be for a substantial amount of money, right? Like I at first thought he was going to sign something like what Jalen Brown got a couple years ago. And what Jalen got was four years, 108, one, 10. Was it? I think Jalen got, wait, no. Because as I'm doing this math, it feels like it doesn't make sense. I'll look it up. I felt like Jalen got four years, 130, or four years, 115, or something like that. Four, 106. Four, 106. Okay. So if you factor basically like the new market now, that would be like RJ, like almost what you just said, Sean. That'd be like RJ getting like four, 120, something, 130, right? So like that's not even wild. So then if you figure that if he's playing like a 25 5 guy or 25 and four ish guy, right? That's going to get you paid a, a pretty decent amount. So if you're looking at somebody who's going to get paid north of $150 million, like I think that's, that's I think that's reasonable. I think it's a reasonable gamble because you're looking at somebody with an all around game like that. Like if he wasn't rebounding and like passing, I mean, he, if we're, if we're keeping it a, a totally, I'm not trying to, you know, you know, do the, the full way, the cons thing either, but like RJ can stand to pass a little bit more sometimes. I'm not, it's not a big deal because he's like coming into his own as a top option right now. He's taking like the brunt of an offensive workload, like a scoring workload, which is like, that's what we want. So I, but he can pass and in the future, he's going to need to pass more and evolve that way. He's that certainly capable. So like he said, but yeah, I, I think like right now he's only averaging what, like three or so, but he, he could get there four or five easily. So um, he's going to get paid though. You can't, you can't put up all around. That's what everybody loves, right? If you pull up all around numbers, that's what everybody loves. The like the Luca lines, right? The Harden lines, the Jokic lines, like, you put you put up those big beefy triple double lines. You put up those big you know, the the those three category lines. Like people go nuts. So if if RJ's filling it up there, like you know, not that traditional, you know, not like counting stats are the only thing that matters. But like, yeah, if you're filling it up in those three all three categories, like yeah, you're gonna get paid. So he keeps coming along. Like I don't know. I I feel like over 150 is kind of fair. I don't know what I'd pay per se now, but if you're willing to pay Porzingis 158, you should not bat an eye at paying RJ 158. That's my feeling on it. Is that is that his max? What's his? Ma- well, I don't know if it's 158. I know that's what Porzingis and Booker signed for, and that was a few years ago. But that was like the high end. I'm trying. To I don't think RJ like a- gets the 200 something one, right? Is Donovan Mitchell? Yeah, he just got his. Donovan did five 195. But I'm pretty sure he he made an All NBA team, right? There has to be some reason that his number is really high. Five for one ninety five is kind of wild. I th- yeah, honestly, like there's there's whatever RJ's max is, bro. Give it to him. Don't care. I understand the you know nuance of okay, you know you got to question whether or not a guy, but I feel like from RJ, you've seen a guy. I mean, you're going in next year, right? Mike and I feel like he'll be twenty five. Kyle, you feel like twenty three is realistic. If a guy's averaging 23 points a game, grabbing you six, seven boards, getting three, four assists, and playing solid defense, and his top 10 in jersey sales, what is he not worth? Like, give him so the money. His max is 181. That's the most they can give him. Oh, yeah. Over, over I, four, over five years? I believe so. I mean, damn, today. Yeah, I mean, that's not. I think you do that. I thought, I thought, so I thought, like, if it was going to be, over 200 to over 200 or so that's where i was like all right i could understand 
I can understand why when you start getting there, people get a little bit iffy. Like for anybody, I could I could understand. But if we're talking like 180, I mean, what are we, we're we're gonna split hairs to save like what the the 20 million to get a more fair number at yeah, 160. Like Give that I mean, man. What are we, the Yankees? That's some Yankees moves. You know, like I mean. I mean, well, I mean, what? The, so I feel like the, the the goofy conversation I have is what? Like the, the fairest market analysis for him right now would be like what? If it's what I used to think the Jalen Brown number would be, that's about $130 million. So you factor in, well, they're probably going to pay him more now anyway. So that's like what? $150 million. So then we go back to what I just said, which is if you're already going to spend 150 and you can go to 180 and he wants 180. And that's his first max too. Like, obviously, if he's better the next one, he's gonna get an even bigger deal. But like, for his first deal, like that he might outperform anyway. Like, it's it's not wild. Andrew Wiggins got four years, one hundred fifty million, bro. Yeah, like yeah. I think he's better than Wiggins. Jimmy Butler makes around 30, 30 to thirty six. I bet. Like, I think in a couple of years, RJ's up there with them. Probably the way I them. look at contracts, honestly, is just like, especially for long term deals. How am I gonna feel about this deal in year three? Exactly. And in year three, when you get 20, what, 24-year-old RJ? That's what I'm I'm, saying. (laughs) I'm confident that 25-year-old RJ Barrett is going to be one of the best players in the NBA. He's ridiculously young. Like, it's so underrated how, like, his, like, obviously, you never want to do age as, like, a main asset, but he's putting up numbers. Yeah. Shout out Kevin Knox. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if he's taken off his Hawks warm-up yet, but I hope he's doing well. But, yeah, no, he's going to be 24 in year three of a Mac. Like, that's insane to think about. Obi, isn't Obi 24 right now? Or maybe yeah. he's like, like, come on. <laughs> and like, yeah. RJ's, he's close to, he's closing out on franchise records for like 30 point games before a certain age. Like, he's proving he's up there. Yeah. Um, yeah, just pay him, man. Just pay him. It's, it's pretty simple. I, I think he's a budding young star. I think we've been, We've been pretty right about him, and you know he's. I don't know. He, he's going to be pretty good, man. He's going to be really, really good. So it, just, just pay him. I'm pro paying guys. We, we we're all pro paying guys on this podcast. Um, you know, I was happy to do with Randall. Obviously, you know things don't always work out the way that you want, but I thought it was a good, good approach. You can always alter contracts. You can always move, man. I'm not worried. But, you know, that's why I never worry about any of this stuff. You can always move people. You can always get out of stuff, but you got to just pay these guys. So pay, pay RJ. Figure it out later. You know, lock them in. You, you swung and miss with KP. You got him out of here just before it, right? Uh, you, the Randall thing looking like it's not going to work out now. All right. So maybe we move on from that, right? Third time's a charm. Open up the checkbook again. Pay RJ Barrett. Like, just just knock it out. You know, let's move on here. I think it's a very simple thing. I think uh, he's going to be a good Nick. Uh, I, really, I really feel it. Feels different with him. We felt it for a while, but really feels more so now, especially given, you know, the Randall conversation. So um, just hope hope they do it. I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see, obviously, you know, next year or so, six to eight months, whatever, we'll probably start hearing numbers, whatever, what they're looking to to actually sign him for. But either way, uh, you know, just just do it. Just pay him. Let's not overcomplicate this. Uh, just make everybody happy. Let's all just move on right off to the sunset. Um, like Sean said, you know, if he's going to be a 25 point per game type guy, you got to just pay him. So, so, um, 
Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, the, the last thing, this, just because it was one of Mike's notes here, uh, we have to touch on very, very quickly. Um, Evan Fournier, three-point record. Um, you know, I, I've been I've been nice to Evan Fournier. We're, we're going to spend a very short amount of time on this, but I've, I've been very, very nice to Fournier these last few months because I felt like, hey, uh, he's still not doing anything else, but it, you know he's doing his job scoring the basketball, shooting the ball, and unfortunately they paid him too much to do it. But hey, he's here, he's doing it. All right, nothing else I could say. You know, I think Sean, me, Mike, we've all been pretty good about that. We haven't been saying nothing, right? Um, he broke the record, right, for all time Knicks three pointers in a season. And it, it, in fairness to him, congratulations! Like it's it's a record. You own it for an NBA franchise, a shooting record. Like that's. That's not nothing like so. So actually, genuinely good for you. Right. But also, and not to sound like a hater, but this is one of the worst franchise records. I feel like existed for 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 teams. Like it was John Starks. That's sad. You know, and, and Jr. if I'm not which, which season was it for Jr. was it? 11-12? Had to be. That's like when he went nuts. Because 11-12 was the lockout shortened season, right? So JR probably breaks it in on that lockout shortened season. Right? Maybe. So I I don't know. So I just think in, in a... He got lucky we're in a three-point era. You know, I, I feel like... I. I you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to sound like... I don't want to sound like too big a hater here, but it's just like... I feel like how many we never have shooters here, bro. We never have shooter shooters for like two decades. We didn't have shooters. Like, I feel like it's not that impressive a record when there's like there's been like maybe three guys who can shoot the basketball over the course of 30 years here. Like that's really pathetic. No, but it, it's yeah. on, on a serious note though, it's a good case study of what Crenton Grimes could do in year two. I would Bingo. just say just I would just say just watch Evan Fournier the rest of the year, hold Grimes out. He's out tomorrow. Hold him out the rest of the season. Say just study Evan Fournier and be prepared to be Evan next year. Just way better. Yeah, I think that Quentin Grimes breaks that record in no time. He's still here. I think Emmanuel quickly can break that record. Um, but while we're here, shout out to Evan Fournier, man. At the end of the day, like you know, not being a hater, he broke a record. That's really dope. The Knicks are a very storied franchise, um, and his name is right there in the record books. Shout out to him for that. And I, you know, that's the first thing I'm bringing into conversation this offseason. Uh, how would you like to have a record-breaking three-point shooter on your roster? Um, I'm asking that to every single team with the telephone um, and using that in trade conversations for sure. But, you know, shout out to him, and hopefully it works out in our favor because I still want him gone. But, you know, shout out to him. He could easily fold it, so I do give him credit for that. Like, he was getting a lot of shit like in the middle portion of the season and he kind of stuck it out and became pretty useful. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I, I would still, you know, he's, he's first on my list. I'm calling teams, like Sean said, I'm day, day, day one. I, I'm already tampering. If I'm Leon Rose, <laughs> uh, I, I've been tampering ahead of time trying to get him <laughs> out of here. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm working extra hours right now to, to back channel and make deals, but, um, you know, good, good for him. He, I, I, I mean, we, we made a graphic that said we need more out of Evan 48 consistently when he had that, that stinker oh, and, and almost, uh, almost Tony Snell game. And, 
uh, you know, to his credit, almost right after that, he came out and, and started playing better and shooting the ball better and, and, you know, had a pretty good stretch there. So, you know, at least from a three point shooting aspect, you know, he did his, his, his singular one job that we hoped that he would do, which is what we were upset about inconsistency wise to start the season. Uh, so good for him. Good for him. So owns one record, but, uh, on that note, good catch up episode with uh, everybody here. Um, you know, thanks for listening. Of course, um, been a tough year, obviously, you know, I know this hasn't been the most fun season after last season. We had a lot of fun coming on here leading up to the playoffs, talking about all, all the fun that we were about to have in that playoff series, everything being back in, but, uh, you know, we can go back to sort of prospect watching. We can, you know, draft season coming back up. We got a lot lottery pick, lottery pick coming in, baby. I mean, it, I mean, we're back. We're back like we never left in in our most comfortable position. So, uh, you know, I, I can't wait to see uh, what happens. Hopefully, we get some lottery luck for once. I mean, we deserve to move up. We deserve something, something that's not just the seventh or eighth pick. I'm tired of the the Kevin Knox slot, the Frank Nealakina slot. I, I need something else. Uh, even if it, it pick five, give me pick five. I'll take pick five. You know, I, I don't, I'm not picky. I, I just don't want the seven, eight, nine nonsense. I just want to get out of there. I want Bonchero. Give me a top four pick. I want I, yeah, pop I'm, for the Zion deal. Yes. Uh, yeah, I want, and if not, I want Ivy or Bonchero. I want, I want Bonchero. Oh my God. My, my, fellow, my fellow countryman. I, I need him. I need him. I need him here. I, I think I think he's nasty. I, listen, I don't want to get. I know it's very late. I don't want to get a fall on tangent. <laughs> I, I think it's very nasty that I, that people don't think he's the number one overall pick. I don't. I, this, I don't want this to be my like scorching. This isn't even a scorching take. I think we're overcomplicating it. If you look at him, he's like a, he's like a four or five, and he plays like a. He's very fluid. He's got great footwork. The way he handles the ball, the way he can create shots. I mean, I, I'm I'm seeing him do spinning he's on the perimeter doing he's dribbling handling the ball creating it to a spinning fadeaway near the three-point line like it's, it's ridiculous shit that he's doing he's like six foot ten i mean it's nonsensical i think i think we're you know i think people have been i, I see chet holmgrim and i i understand it a little bit but it's just like don't overthink it just don't like so, he jumps off the screen i mean it's just it's really quite obvious to me i'd be really so, I'd be really surprised and quite devastated if he was not a good NBA, like a really good NBA player. Like, I think he's going to be like outstanding. He's one of the few ones I've actually like enjoyed watching. I didn't really like watching anyone else. Jaden Ivey included. Obviously I've only seen like three or four games, but he looks like a pro. Out. That was a pre- yeah. It was a pretty whack right? tournament except for watching Duke is him. I was like, Oh, this guy's really good. And I think New York's ready to have an Italian back. The Gallinari years were not as good because the team stuck, but. I feel like he was just getting good and like the garden loved him. I feel like we're ready for another Italian. The garden did love him. Everybody used to do the rooster and he would do the rooster. <laughs> Nobody remembers this. This was this was a very special time in Nick's in Nick's history. He would he would after he hit like a couple of big threes, he'd go like this because Gallo, the rooster, right? So he yeah. you know, he would do this. And then everybody you see people in the stands like, ah, you know, it was great. It was a good time. Yeah. I I miss it. I miss Gallo in New York. It's a Ah oh, man, if we could have kept one guy in that mellow trip, just one single guy, you know, they they had to send everybody out. If they if they could have just kept one guy, it should have been Gallo. But anyway, 
Thank you guys for joining us for another episode of the Knicks Wall Podcast. We'll get out of here. We will catch you guys next time. Uh, another great episode presented by Prize Picks. So we will talk to you guys uh, next episode. Take it easy. Adios.